I'm John Barrett Ingalls, and this is The How, The Why. Presented by 1888. Every week, we connect with artists, authors, and innovators in the world of publishing and literature to discuss their creative process and creative purpose and explore the evolution of the industry. 1888 serves as a regional catalyst for the preservation, presentation, and promotion of cultural heritage and literary arts. Let's get connected. Hello and welcome to the How, the Why, brought to you by 1888. My name is John Barrett Ingalls and today we are connected with the team behind Black Napkin Press, Matt Rouse, Torn Greathouse, and Nicole Connolly. Thank you all so much for taking the time to be in the same place and, and have this chat with me. Thank you for having us. So I'm going to... I'm gonna. We're gonna do our Mickey Mouse Club intro, and everyone can say your name so that all of our listeners will be able to associate the sound of your voice to you. Uh, so take it away, team. I'm Matt Rouse. I'm Torin Greyhound. I'm Nicole Connolly. Excellent. Now, uh, Black Napkin Press is is new. You are still in your your very first stages. You're 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 a child learning to walk at this point or crawl. I'm not sure, but uh, uh, I want to let, let's take it back to um, how poetry first entered into all of your lives. Uh, uh, that that's what I'm most most fascinated by. How what was that moment where you're like, this is what I want to do, or this is how I want to define myself? You want to start off, man. Yeah, um, I actually, I have a, um, my mother was an English teacher. Um, she teaches, uh, she taught the sixth grade uh, in Inglewood in the Linux School District for almost 30 years. And we had to read um, before going to bed. We had to read before watching TV, playing. Uh, she got me writing. Uh, she discovered, uh, she called it oral creativity, which means I lied a lot. <laughs> and... She she got me to to write it down and to to create. She she marveled at the fact that I kind of lived in my own little world, and um, she she encouraged it a lot. And so I read a lot, and um, I wrote a lot when I was younger. When I was in in my my preteens and my teens, um, I discovered uh, the slam scene in my early twenties. I went to the nationals and. Uh, and then uh, kind of I, I got uh, clean and sober. I got married. I got kids. And I kind of got away from it. I did writing. I wrote as a hobby. I wrote every now and then. It wasn't a, uh, wasn't a full-time thing. I didn't consider myself a professional writer. I woke up one day at the age of 41. I was a single father with two kids. And I had a nine-to-five job. And, you know, I had the American dream, really. And something was missing, and I started writing again. And um, I met Torin, and uh, just everything just kind of uh, took off. Uh, we meshed really well. And uh, when I did publish my first uh, book, decided to publish my first book, um, 
I went to Torn and I said, I want to publish it myself because I believe in, in artist control. And I believe that the artist should get the profits. And we decided to form a, a publishing company around it. My book is called The Final Word. It's on Amazon. It's the first publication by Black Napkin. And uh, uh, from there, we we published an online journal. And we took in Nicole and, uh, to edit it. And, uh, you know, things just started growing. It's way bigger than I thought it was going to be. But poetry is such a specific... It's not like you were just writing stories. Like, what was it about poetry and, and that, uh, that, that specific medium that, that was attractive to you? I hate rules. I just hate them. <laughs> I just hate rules. And, and poetry, you get to break all the rules. You get to do your own thing and create your own. Uh, Torn's really good at it. Uh, they, they create their own um, kind of their own code, their own language. And, uh, I really enjoy that. You can skip around, you know, it doesn't have to be linear. It doesn't have to be a narrative. You can skip around. I, I create my own language all the time. I love it. Uh, I love making up new words and, and new ways of expressing myself. Uh, so, so poetry kind of fits my personality. I always say, you know, it sounds like schizophrenia when it's in my head, but when I when I put it on paper and read it at a reading, people clap. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, and Torin, what was your first introduction to poetry? So poetry's kind of always been a little thing in my life. I think I started writing at fifteen, really, really terrible rhyming poetry. And uh, at about seventeen, I found a book by the poet Derek Brown uh, mm. titled I'm Easier Said Than Done. Yeah. I picked that up and, you know, kind of realized that poetry didn't have all, have to have all of these formal rules. And that really kind of broke me out and got me interested in what was going on now in poetry. But I don't think I really became a poet until about last year. I was going to school at UC Irvine and I actually got kicked out for a year uh, because they dequalified me for financial aid. And so I was stuck in this situation of trying to survive in Orange County, uh, you know, working just enough to be able to pay rent and eat. And I suddenly realized I didn't have any connection to anyone mm. because I wasn't a student. And once you're no longer a student, all of your friends who are don't really have anything to do with you. Class is all that connects you. And so I started reaching out and I, uh, I'd done a little bit of spoken word, a little bit of slam. And so I started going to poetry readings and it's where I really started to feel at home. And that's where I ended up meeting both Matt and Nicole. And we really, all of us clicked. And, uh, the more I went, the more I improved, the more I met people who introduced me to new poets or who kind of mentored me. And I've had a lot of mentors over the course of a year. And that sort of allowed me to establish myself and really kind of create my own path as a writer. Have you had the opportunity to meet Derek Brown? I actually have. Uh, met a couple of times and he actually has a copy of my first chapbook sitting on his shelf at home. Oh, that's great. Um, and Nicole, how did you enter into this world? 
Um, well, I've always been a prolific reader. I started writing when I was 11, but I was very into writing fiction, and I wrote fiction, just tons and tons of fiction, most of the way through undergrad, and I was getting my BFA in creative writing, studying fiction, and I sort of came into poetry by accident. I really hated poetry because of um, the poetry I was shown in like high school classes. Sure. It didn't really resonate with me, and I think that's how most people feel about it. But a friend of mine's dad started dating a woman who went to poetry readings and sort of encouraged my friend to um, go spend time with her at these readings, and I was brought along as like moral support. Um, because it was like sometimes really awkward, like if she would read poems about like his dad and stuff, <laughs> you know. So uh, I discovered like people performing poetry, which is so different from like reading Robert Frost or something <laughs> like that. Uh, and that was the ugly mug to idiots peddling poetry, which is still around um, and I still go to. And I realized that poetry wasn't anything like. It didn't have to be what I thought it had to be. So I very quickly, like in the last year of my undergrad, just started writing lots of poetry. I was way better at it. I had been like self-flagellating writing fiction and being no good at it. Went on to go do my MFA in poetry after that and then returned from my MFA to work here. Got back in touch with Torn and Matt and joined the journal. So Now talking about the journal and... and uh the the press so matt your your book has been published uh your chat book through black napkin um and torn yours is about to or yours has already been published through black Napkin. Uh, so mine was actually published earlier through a very small press run by uh, the owner of a reading that we had a falling out with at the time and that's actually what caused matt and i to start going to the reading that Nicole mentioned, Two Idiots Peddling Poetry. And it was sort of because of our falling out with this poet and the press that he was trying to cultivate that we said, okay, let's take what he's doing and let's do it right. Let's do it better and let's really honor the work of the poets we want to publish. You have a monthly journal, but what is the the ultimate goal is to have a press and to... to be getting more books out? Yeah. The ultimate goal is to publish sort of between four and five poets a year in terms of their books, as well as keeping up the monthly journal, and to be able to sort of nurture and promote each of those poets we put out. Not only put out their book, but help them get booked, help them actually sell their book at readings, help them make a name for themselves. We're very interested in taking both new and established poets and elevating their work and really giving them a place to show the poems that they want the world to see. How did you, uh, uh, how, how do you find the submission process, um, especially like being so new? Is it uh, overwhelming? Are you surprised by how many submissions that you get? Yeah, um... The first, the first issue when we got so many submissions and you had to read, you know, 50, 60 poems and, and uh, call through all that stuff, it was a little daunting, but, but now it's kind of fun. We all sit together and we read the poems and, and uh, uh, a lot of times um, 
you know, we all kind of agree on, on what is, you know, just intrinsically, we all kind of agree on what is a good poem and what isn't. And, and if somebody's saying something, uh, I look really hard at the content and uh, I want something interesting, something that moves me in some way. Um, and then, then I go to the writing, the style, and, and that kind of stuff. Do you look for um, thematic uh, connections for each issue? Sometimes. Uh, sometimes it just works out that way. You know, there was a, a tragedy that occurred, the, the Pulse nightclub tragedy, um, that, that occurred a few months back. And a lot of the stuff we got was in response to that. Mm. A lot of the stuff we got was from the LGBTQ uh, community. And we decided to kind of, um, you know, base our issue around that. And it worked out really well. You know, I'm really proud of that issue. And, and I'm really uh, proud of some of the things that, that we've done um, for, for marginalized and minority populations. Is there a plan to publish some of the collections as well? I think for the moment being, uh, we really want to focus on books promoting individual poets. Right. In the future, anthologies might be something we consider, but we want to get more of an established background of publishing strong books by individual poets. I think really to make an anthology work, a press has to be established enough in publishing individual work that a large group of poets are willing to really send strong work in for a single sort of unified idea. What's interesting, just the way that you list your your issues, that you have volume one, issue one through eight. So it's almost like as if you're setting yourself up to have these anthologies. Yeah, we'd like to. Um, but, but again, like Torrance said, you know, we'd like to create a support system um, that, that elevates, that rises poets up. And we'd like to, to find these poets young, uh, poets that, that, you know, when I was a poet, nobody came up to me and said, you know what, you're, you're worth um, putting time and energy into. And, you know, that makes a lot of difference to somebody. Maybe somebody that's on the cusp. Uh, again, we'd like to focus on, on marginalized people, um, minorities, people that don't get a chance sometimes just because of who they are mm. like to give these people a chance give them control of their work give them creative control over things like i mean one of the reasons you know torrent talked about falling out you know with another poet and it's like one of the things that i enjoyed doing in my book was the cover you know right. was was the layout you know how i how i set you know and a lot of times you just give your stuff to, to somebody and they do all that stuff and you have no control over it and, and I want control over it, and I want other people to, to have control over it. You decide where you want to go, and we'll, we'll make it happen. Uh, and, and that doesn't just mean publishing, and, and that, that means promoting across the board. And we'd also like to set up workshops where we teach poetry, so we find them like, you know, diamonds in the rough, not only in the rough, but in the ground, right. you know, and, and rise them up from the ground up. And that's something that I'm really interested in in the future. Uh, it all begins with kind of establishing a monthly presence. And that's what we're doing now. Let's talk about, and Nicole, that you could 
help tackle this one. Uh, how do you design and how do you come up with where the poems are going to go in each issue? Is, is that um, how much work goes into the curation and, and the placement and having one poem lead into another? Yeah, we're sort of still figuring a lot of these things out. I'm relatively new to the staff, um, but in the future, that's something I definitely want to be um, paying a little bit more attention to as we move into next year. So we're actually on sort of a hiatus right now while we give ourselves like stronger bones to work sure. from. Yeah. Um, because things I think have really like taken have really started to take off and it's really exciting how much we've been able to do so quickly and how much primarily Torn and Matt have been able to do so quickly. So um, I'll probably start, I mean, using maybe um, what was done on Mid-American Review when I was the managing editor is just putting all the pieces on the floor, you know, and sort of grouping them together and seeing what you can make happen and what sort of connections come out or um, when you're working with, one thing we do do is when we're looking at submissions we've already taken, um, looking at other things we might want to take from the same poet or different poets that do sort of speak to those submissions that we already sort of have on the docket. Are they reflecting on each other in interesting ways um, and all of that. So, But I think part of that also comes from... Uh, one of the guiding principles of the press is actually the poem that we named the press after. Right. It's a poem from Matt's book, and it's the title poem, The Final Word. And uh, the phrase in it that we draw our name from is, this is the poem that was too big for one of us to write. This is the poem that we wrote in black ink on a black napkin, our exercise in futility. Hmm. And it's it sort of... Paraphrasing. Yeah, of course, of course, paraphrasing without having it in front of me. But basically, the the idea that all of the poetry that we as individual people write contributes to a greater poem. Sure. And a great thing that I was told by a mentor of mine once is when you put together a book of poems, unless that book itself becomes a poem larger than the individual poems, it fails as a book. And I think we try and do that with each issue, is make the poems themselves become part of the greater poem of that issue. And the poems of that issue become part of the greater poems of that year. We want what Black Napkin represents it to really just be a poem in and of itself, of all of the lives and all of the stories that we help be told. We also include artwork, and and so, like Torrance saying, uh, the episodes I've noticed become you know entities of their own, their own little special life forms uh, with the, with the poems and the and the art. That sometimes the there's photographs, sometimes there's very you know uh, surrealistic work, sometimes it's M.C. Escherish. You know, uh, we have, you know, we we like good art just like we like good poetry. And so it can vary as to what the issue itself looks like uh, visually. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things I've noticed. It's kind of cool uh, about it. Yeah, how often do you get submissions of art? Are you noticing that that's becoming more and more? Oh, yeah. 
art is something that is a little bit more in flux than poetry. Poetry submissions are fairly constant. Some issues we've had art, you know, on every other page. Some issues, the only art we have is cover art. Mm. Definitely moving forward, I think, uh, I don't know, how much art we include will really depend on just how consistent the stream of art we'll have. We'll always have cover art. We'll always try and, you know, promote visual artists and definitely if we have good artists come to us with art we enjoy you know we keep in contact with them where they're the people will consider in the future for maybe doing cover art for books uh because we want to cultivate relationships i think building a community is one of the most important parts of being a publisher and to that point do you feel like uh there is a pretty strong community in orange county at this point we're very very small and we're very, very loyal to each other. Hmm. It's a very, very close community. Uh, we all know each other, and we all hang out together. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun down here. I, I, there's a lot of opportunity for growth, which I like about it. You know, um, there's, a, there's a high ceiling there. In L.A., it's, it's really saturated. In Orange County, there's just these groups here and there. And, um, you know, it's very mom and pop, very small. Sometimes we have uh, five or six people at a reading. Sometimes we have 30 uh, or 40. And, uh, you know, I really like the small, intimate atmosphere of it. Now, Matt, you came from more of the performance world of poetry. But how important is that performance or the reading aspect for a poet to to get their their work out there well i i still consider myself a spoken word artist uh above poet uh i would i would describe myself as that first before i would describe myself as a poet uh because i kind of use my environment um i'm good on paper i'm better than i was thanks to torin and nicole um but uh that was never really my strong suit. I love to hear the sound of my own voice. <laughs> I just, I you just start love a podcast. It. I just, you know, man. I mean, because I've got such a great voice, and uh, <laughs> you know, so you know, when I go up on stage, I don't really get nervous. It's funny, you know. I, I like to create. Um, a, I call it experiential poetry. So. Something happened last week. My daughter went to the hospital. Uh, I went to the San Diego Zoo. So, something happened last week. And I'll sit down and, you know, five or six days later, and I'll just, uh, I will just knock out a six-page poem about it. Everything that happened, you know, sights, sounds, my thoughts, uh, other people, conversations are in the poem. Uh, one of the things I like to do in performance is have a hook. Uh have have a line that's a refrain repeating a repeating line some of them have become quite famous or infamous depending on who you are uh i have one celebrating um the drink fireball uh, (laughs) where everybody i i have the audience yell out fireball fireball ride that burn and it's all about a a party i have another one uh, who invited matt rouse to this party uh, where it's just about that guy at the party that, that's really annoying, that, that talks a lot, which is me, which has always been me. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I just, I knock out these poems. 
I involve the audience. Uh, so I really go full bore on the performance. Uh, I'm a trained actor, um, and I've, I acted in community theater for uh, a number of years. So I'm more comfortable on stage than anywhere else, really. And one of my favorite parts is that I don't get nervous. I get buzzed up there. I walk off, and sometimes I don't know where I am, and I stumble off the stage because there's so much adrenaline throwing, flowing through me, especially when the audience really gets it. When you get the audience on your side, and they're repeating things with you, and they're laughing and clapping, sure. it's, um, it's a lot of fun for me. Dorn, do you do you see that as being like an essential element of a poet these days as well? I definitely think performance is uh, is a pretty big aspect of you know really existing as a poet. I think it's impossible to make a career as a poet unless yeah. uh, you kind of put yourself out on the stage. I think Nicole has a good point about it. It's just generally like the benefit of it. Yeah. Um... I mean, it is the way that poets primarily can sell themselves, and I think it's something that's really, really missing in a lot of um, establishment presses or even establishment MFA programs, uh, is the component of helping you get comfortable on stage, reading your own work, because that's when it can really most shine, and that's how you make a lot of connections, that's how you form a community. and. Um, you know, on the bottom line, that's also how you sell books a lot of the time is you go to readings and you read things that touch people and, and they're inspired to purchase your work and to come talk to you and want to be a part of who you are as a poet. So it's really, really important and it's also not usually sort of invested in by presses or BFAs or MFAs or a lot of these other structures. So yeah, I don't... It's, I don't think it's talked about enough at all. Sure. Yeah. And now I'm my my brain's spinning about creating a program that has a performance element as well. Um, so with with Black Napkin, is that something you do? Want to start hosting Black Napkin readings? Oh yeah, I would like to do that. Um, workshops is something that's really on my mind right now. It's something that we've had to put on the back back page while we establish other things. But sometime next year or, or in the near future, we would like to uh, have workshops that end in a reading. So we workshop, you know, for for uh, a couple days or for a night, and then we have a reading, and uh, we get people into it. And and that would be part of the workshop is how to present yourself. There there are several common mistakes people make. And we're in the. Uh... Uh, to put it lightly, a tumultuous situation in our world right now. How important do you see poetry at this day, at this point, at this time in our history? Poetry is more important now than ever. We live in a political climate that is actively making the oppressed unheard, that is shutting down the voices that need to be heard right now. And I think promoting women's voices, voices from the queer community, the voices of people of color, the voices of disabled people, all of these are people that our president-elect has actively shut down, made fun of, degraded, and put in a situation where they feel uncomfortable. We feel uncomfortable living in America today. Promoting those voices and promoting them loudly is more important than ever because 
as loud as the president is going to shout, as loud as the people who support him are going to shout, we need to make our voices louder. We need to make them more resonant and we need to make them heard through whatever noise they create. We, we had decided before any of this happened that we wanted to, to promote voices from the fringes from the outside. And after it happened, after the election, it became, and after the political race, um, it, it's become very serious and very, um, you know, important for us to, uh, to, to get it out there uh, as much as we can. Do you see poetry as something that can reach people who might not think the same way? I mean, you know, it's, it seems like... We are so divided. I mean, I guess we're always divided, but is poetry something that can reach across the that divide and 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 connect? I'm very concerned right now with the way, um, and very kind of frustrated, disappointed with the way we get information, the information flow, mm. the development of technology that allows you to get instantaneous feeds and in, instantaneous information instantaneous opinions hasn't helped it's hurt and now you can pick and cho choose you know what you listen to uh whether it's fox news whether it's your facebook feed you don't have to hear the dissenting opinion anymore and so everybody agrees with you yeah. and uh you know that's something that i like to insert it's very difficult to do if somebody believes something it's very hard to change somebody's mind uh but but i think you know over time uh, getting the voices out there is the most important thing. And, uh, you know, realizing that we're all the same on a fundamental level. And I think there's also in poetry or in any way that you want to sort of speak to somebody who may not have the same ideas as you. Um, you know, there's always going to be people on the extreme where no matter what you say, who says it or how, you're not going to change their mind. But I think for people who are maybe middling or who don't understand how serious this election is for people of color, queer people, women, etc. Um, poetry can really help express the terror that some people are feeling. Um, it can give you new tools for discussing the election, for coming up with new arguments against it, and it's just bringing poets together. I know we went to a poetry reading the night right after the election and just having us all in one space where we all I think felt safe for the first time since the election was really important. It gives you a little bit of a respite so that you can go back out and be ready to fight and to stand up for yourself and for each other. Are you noticing that the submissions you're receiving now are more uh, influenced or inspired by everything that's happening? Yeah, our submissions have always reflected the world, the outside world, and and so uh, in the last couple months we've gotten they've been angrier, um, they've been more uh, you know vocal about the current state of events. What do you see? So now you're you're uh, we're ending 2016. You're nearing your one year anniversary. What do you see for Black Napkin Press in the next uh, two to five years? We're going to come out here in, in the 1st of February with a, a whole new look. 
Uh, and again, trying to be uh, accessible, more professional, uh, easy, uh, and that's with our website. So we're going to start from the ground up. We work our website so that our journal uh, is easy to access, our individual poems are easier to access, and then we have a, an author, um, a Lucas Dahlia Galvin, uh, who's a brilliant non-binary poet from Southern California in the uh, San Diego area, hmm. and we're going to be putting out their debut book, uh, A Dollhouse Br Built on Brimstone, which deals with issues of mental health, gender identity, childhood trauma, struggling with alcoholism, drug abuse, and eating disorders. It's a really powerful book wow. that engages with a lot of issues that particularly people in the queer community face nowadays and face because of the social strains put on us. Uh, it's a book that I really stand behind. It's a book with some fantastic work in it. We're putting out that book hopefully in the first few months of 2017. Uh, we're also going to open up a manuscript contest to collect up the books of the authors we'll publish throughout the rest of the year and moving into 2018. Excellent. Well, thank you all so much for taking the time to, to chat with me. I love what you're doing. Uh, I've, I've loved going through the, the journals that are available right now, and, and I, I can't wait to see what you do in the future. We appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for talking to us. Thank, thank you. you. This has been The How, The Why with John Barrett Ingalls. The show is produced by Kevin Stanick and yours truly, with production assistance by Sarah Becker. The How, The Why theme music was composed and performed by Dan Record. Please consider supporting 1888 and our mission. Become an 1888 advocate by purchasing our books, participating in our programs, and pledging today. For more information, visit 1888.center. That's 1888.center. I want to remind you all to keep making art. Thank you. <laughs>